From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Thank you for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, please enjoy this devotional thought taken from Morning and Evening by Charles Haven Spurgeon. This morning's text is found in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. So walk ye in him. If we have received Christ himself in our inmost hearts, our new life will manifest its intimate acquaintance with him by a walk of faith in him. Walking implies action. Our religion is not to be confined to our closet. We must carry out into practical effect that which we believe. If a man walks in Christ, then he so acts as Christ would act. For Christ being in him, his hope, his love, his joy, his life. He is the reflection of the image of Jesus. And men say of that man, He is like his master. He lives like Jesus Christ. Walking signifies progress. So walk ye in him. Proceed from grace to grace. Run forward until you reach the uttermost degree of knowledge that a man can attain concerning our beloved. Walking implies continuance. There must be a perpetual abiding in Christ. How many Christians think that in the morning and evening they ought to come into the company of Jesus and may then give their hearts to the world all the day. But this is poor living. We should always be with Him, treading in His steps and doing His will. Walking also implies habit. When we speak of a man's walk and conversation, we mean his habits, the constant tenor of his life. Now if we sometimes enjoy Christ, and then forget Him, sometimes call Him ours, and anon lose our hold, that is not a habit. We do not walk in Him. We must keep to Him, cling to Him, never let Him go, but live and have our being in Him. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Persevere in the same way in which ye have begun, And as at the first Christ Jesus was the trust of your faith, the source of your life, the principle of your action, and the joy of your spirit, so let him be the same till life's end. The same when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and enter into the joy and the rest which remain for the people of God. O Holy Spirit, enable us to obey this heavenly precept.
These days when the forces of evil are devastating our land, God's people need to pray. More than that, we must engage in united prayer. Just as the apostles and the early church were of one accord gathering for prayer, the cry for our day must be, let us pray. To encourage the Lord's people to this end, Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer a publication entitled, The Case for United Prayer. 
Presented within its pages are excerpts from the works of Jonathan Edwards, Samuel Prime, and Pastor Richard Cross. The centerpiece of the book is Samuel Prime's first-hand account of the famous New York City prayer meetings of 1857, begun by one man, Jeremiah Lamphere. This simple effort was blessed by God until prayer meetings sprang up all over the nation and ushered in a mighty revival that spread across the sea to Great Britain, culminating in the great 1859 revival in Northern Ireland. To obtain your copy of The Case for United Prayer, free of charge, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of The Case for United Prayer. On today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns continues his series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as he brings the next portion of a message entitled, Seven Symbols of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented by various figures or manifestations, all of which teach us a particular truth about the Spirit's character and functions. The first symbol of the Spirit in the New Testament appears at Christ's baptism, where it is said that the Holy Spirit descended upon the Savior in the form of a dove. This speaks to us of the purity of the Spirit. Then in John 3, verse 8, when Nicodemus responded with surprise and skepticism to Christ's statement about sinners needing to be born again, the Savior likened the Holy Spirit to the wind, a declaration of the sovereignty of the Spirit. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, Seven Symbols of the Holy Spirit. We're going to take seven very familiar and straightforward symbols of the Holy Spirit as they're set forth for us in the Scriptures of Truth. The first one 
we find mentioned in three of the four Gospels. We can take Matthew chapter 3 verse 16, where we read, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. The dove is the symbol of the Spirit that is first used in the New Testament. He's the dove, the purity of the Spirit. The second symbol of the Spirit to which we may pay attention this morning is the wind, which speaks to me of the sovereignty of the Spirit. John chapter 3 and verse 8 is a key text. It says, The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God likened to the wind. Now you can hear the wind, John says, or Christ actually says. You can hear the wind. But you cannot control the wind. In some ways, you can use the wind. Every sailor in ancient times uh, was an expert in trimming his sails to use the wind for his own benefit. But he couldn't control it. The wind is the ultimate picture of total freedom and sovereignty. The Spirit of God, like the wind, blows where he lists. Now I realize that that is not something that many people like to hear. We live in a day when men have such a conception of God that God is like a little puppet and they pull the strings and God jumps. We live in a day when men want to manipulate even the Almighty for their own nefarious purposes. But this text of Scripture from the lips of the Son of God Himself tells us plainly that the Spirit of God is not to be manipulated by anyone. The Spirit of God, even in the matter of regeneration and salvation, is utterly sovereign. He moves according to the purpose and the pleasure and the plan of God. He moves according to his own sovereign will. When he moves, no man can stop him. My I bless God for that. When God the Holy Spirit really blows with a mighty wind upon his church, let all the powers of hell be ranged against his church. They shall not stop the blowing wind of the Spirit of God, for He is utterly sovereign. Being sovereign, He is utterly irresistible in the exercise of His saving power according to the plan of God. We find this 
carried out into effect in Acts chapter 2, where you have the story of the day of Pentecost. Verse 2 says, There was the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Now here, you have the fulfillment of the symbol. Here you have the wind of God in all His mighty sovereign power. He takes a little group of people. They are nobodies. Their enemies are wishing them out of existence. And really, I don't think by this time that the enemies of the gospel can have been too worried about this little handful of people. They were nobodies. They had no position. They had no religious or political clout. They had no education. They had nothing. But then the Holy Spirit took them. He blew upon them. And like a mighty wind, he came through the church. And I tell you not the combined powers of Judaism and Romanism could stop the onward movement of the Spirit of God through the church of Jesus Christ. It wasn't long until the wind of God blew with such fury that the cause of Christ began to spread here and there through the empire. Churches were founded, sinners were saved, devils were cast out, and God was glorified. The name of Jesus Christ began to be known far and wide. The Holy Ghost coming like a sovereign wind in all his freedom. There is a word that some of the writers on the Holy Spirit like to use. I'm not terribly fond of it just because of its connotation in everyday life. Maybe the right word, theologically, I don't know, but they like to talk about the impetuous action of the Holy Spirit uh, shown to us by the wind. I don't want you to get the idea of an unthinking action. I don't want you to have the idea of something that hasn't proper will and planning and wisdom behind it. But if you have the idea of this mighty loosing of irresistible power at no whim of man, and certainly overriding every opposition of man, then you've got a good picture of this impetuous action of the Holy Spirit. You'll get examples of this action again and again in Scripture. In Ezekiel, the prophet speaks of the action of the Holy Spirit upon him, actually removing him from one place to another. In Acts chapter 8, verse 39 and verse 40, you have that same sovereign action of the Holy Spirit upon Philip. Uh, after he had dealt with the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip was no longer found at Gaza. He was rather found at Azotus. Why? Because the Spirit mightily came upon him, and in supernatural power, like a mighty wind, he just carried him to where he wanted him to be. Well may we today be found on our knees praying for the wind of God. 
the Spirit of God as a wind, I think is almost unknown in the Church of Jesus Christ, certainly in this part of the world today. In Ezekiel 37, you have a picture. It's a very full and wonderful picture of the Valley of Dry Bones. Now, let me say, first of all, that there you have a prophecy. This is to be fulfilled, literally, in the nation of Israel. There's a prophecy here. But you also have in this a parable, a parable of regeneration. And I believe you also have in it a promise, a promise of revival. Now that's a sermon outline in itself that I'll preach some other time. But have a look at this. The prophet looks on the bones scattered and lying upon the open valley. The question is, can these bones live? Can they live? Now how can they live? He is given a very wonderful instruction in Ezekiel 37 and verse 9. The bones will come together. They will form a body, as it were, or an army of bodies. And then he is told, Son of Man, prophecy to the wind. Call upon the wind. Cry that the wind will blow across this valley. And that as the wind blows across this valley, there will be mighty power infused into these dead, dry bones and into this lifeless army formed from them. Oh, how today we need to be prophesying to the wind. There are some Christians who get a little more learned, I think, than the Holy Ghost intends them to be. And they have such niggling questions as, should we ever pray to the Holy Spirit? I always did believe that prayer was to God, and since the Holy Spirit is truly God, there is no reason why I cannot call upon the Spirit of God. But here I am given a, a direct and definite command to prophesy to the wind, the Spirit of God. I find in Song of Solomon 4 and verse 16 that the church of Jesus Christ is found praying. And she says, Come, thou north wind and thou south wind, and blow upon my garden. This is the prayer that needs to be on the lips of the people of God. This is the prayer that needs to consume the interest of this church. Men and women, let me tell you, we may have many things. We may come to obtain glorious things in the eyes of the world. We could pack in more people. We could bring in more money. We could send out more missionaries, more preachers. We could be doing, doing, doing all the time. But I want to tell you, unless this mighty passion consumes our heart, that we are crying to God, Lord, breathe upon us with the wind of the Spirit of God. Blow upon us in all the fullness and the sovereignty and the irresistible revival fullness of the Holy Ghost then all will be just a facade and a charade. 
I tell you today, here is the sovereign Spirit of God working. How will we see people sealed? When God the Holy Ghost, as the mighty wind of God, blows where he lists. That's when you see true conversions, real regenerations. That's when you see true results. How will we see a city shaken? How will we see a nation moved? Not by organization. I said in prayer meeting on Wednesday night, and I think it's true. I was quoting a preacher I was speaking to just a, a week or so ago. And they said that churches nowadays are so well organized that if the Holy Ghost were removed, they wouldn't even know the difference. I think there's a lot of truth in that. We're not going to move America by organization. We're not going to move America merely by the power of the dollar. We're not going to move America merely by putting more men in the field. All these things have their place. I'm not against them in their place. God knows we need them. But I tell you the only way that this nation can be moved is when the wind of God blows in all its fullness and all its sovereign power. I think it was R.A. Torrey who once said, Give me ten men filled with the Holy Ghost and I'll move the world. If that is a correct assessment, and who's to say it's not? It does put us in our proper place. And it lets you see the awful spiritual dearth that we're living in today. All for the wind of God, the sovereignty of the Spirit. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, founded by Dr. Alan Cairns. Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408, or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (laughs) 